Oh, baby, not much going on this past week. I feel like how many times have I done a cold open where I said a crazy week in NFTs? This honestly might have been the craziest. We have a bloodbath in the markets, UST depegging, Azuki's just a total roller coaster of FUD and emotions, and we're going to get all to that tonight. We also have the NBA playoffs. We're going to cheer ourselves up, maybe with some Laudan thinks tonight. We got a four-man crew here with Andy, Jack, MBL, and myself. It is Club Top Shot. It is Tuesday. Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Mike, welcome back. I believe you were gone last week, right? I think I've missed the last two, so this is a, a long-awaited return. Wow, wow. How, how have you been? Are you just head down, grinding? I am life? head down, grinding. Just been busy. Um, personal stuff, work stuff, house stuff, all good stuff, but just a, a big time commitment. So I'm happy to be back. Uh, and appreciate you guys holding down the fort while I did my shit. Yeah. Uh, Jack, how, how have you been doing? How's the tendies business? Tendies are good. Sorry, Andy, for the confusion. Like I said, That's right. it just tweet. rolled me a little bit, but it's fine. We are, we're launching uh, some more locations. So, yeah, it's the food's getting good. You know, there were some early days, process wasn't great, training camp stuff. But now we're we're looking good. There you go. And uh, Andy, I believe were you were you gone last week or were you here last week? I can't. Now I'm all twisted. I around. think I was here last. You week. You were here. Okay, maybe it was two weeks ago. Yeah. But um, it feels like between every show we have uh, a lifetime. How has how has this past few days been for you? Shit posting through it all. Yeah, you know I've just aged like five or six years over the last couple of days. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, nothing big has happened really. Um, but no, that. that this is like a feels like very, very much so bear market things. I remember back in late 2017, for those who were not around, there was this, there's a coin that's still around called uh, Nano now, but it was called Ryblox back in the day. And uh, you can only trade it on like these really shady exchanges. <laughs> I remember being at my grandmother's uh, before like Christmas. And she didn't really have internet. And she had to like sit in the corner of her living room to pirate the neighbor's internet and finding out that like the exchange that I had all of my Ryblox on had been like rubbed basically. And I had lost all of my money on that exchange. There ended up being like a lawsuit against the guy and stuff. I, I never got any money out of it. Fortunately at that point I was, I was very poor. So it didn't really matter that much. Um, but yeah, stuff like this sucks and it's like never fun, but fortunately I've a, uh, been through enough times that I can shit post through it. Yeah, it's been weird to observe like how everyone's processing it because a lot of OG crypto Twitter, I mean, they've been through this. They know what a prolonged bear market is. Their their shit posting game is is unrivaled. But then you so see some of these Johnny come lately NFT influencers <laughs> that like all they know at this point is engagement farming and that has now manifested in just like peak fear peak fear mongering, like just some of the worst tweets and takes I've seen. It's weird to see like the NFT bros like really experience their, their first bad downturn. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because I feel like a lot of them are like, Oh, well, this isn't actually 
you know, like an NFT bear market, it's just because ETH is going down. And so, you know, NFTs are going down. And like, I mean, I certainly don't know. Hopefully that NFTs go back up when, when ETH stops going down. But like the level of kind of, I've seen, I've seen people lately, especially call it like toxic positivity around all of that. <laughs> yeah. From a bunch of people who like were, I mean, had held, had enough like conviction to make a lot of money, which is great, but also had like a ton of really, really fortunate timing. And like obviously myself included in that. But I've like been around the block enough times to know that sometimes, you know, these things don't last forever. Yeah. Um, so well, it's all really interesting to see kind of how that plays out um, over the next few weeks. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's tough too, because everyone processes it in different ways. You know, there's shit posting, there's, you know, being hyperbolic, but then there are some people who are actually struggling with stuff right now who have overextended themselves. And I know it can be uh, a tough time for everyone. So just uh, our usual reminder uh, to take care of yourself, make uh, smart decisions. Don't get caught up in, uh, in the euphoria. Mike, Jack, how, how is your mental state uh, holding up during this downturn? I mean, I'm a, I'm a hardened bear market participant at this point. We, we, we've been balls deep in a bear market for the last year. Just everyone else has decided to catch up over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a difficult time. It's, it's hard to watch. You, you can tell from the way some people are responding, similar to what you guys are saying, that some people obviously are really, really, really overextended and kind of grasping at straws here and you know, thought they were more set than they really are. Didn't ever see a world where things would turn down at all, forget at this level and this quickly. And so it's, it's hard to watch from that standpoint. Obviously, there's the people who have been through wars before, uh, like Andy and a lot of the other kind of veterans out there. But for some of the newer people who, I mean, you, you, we're not that far off from people leaving six-figure-plus stable jobs at you know, huge corporations to come and kind of trade NFTs. And I think a, a lot of people are kind of stepping back saying, you know, what did I do? Is this all going to bounce back or is it kind of over? And I don't know. It, it's, it's sad to, it's sad to watch. Uh, I think some people will be fine, but a lot of people are clearly hurting. Pull up the I Vince Carter. It's over moment. Uh, so everyone really knows what <laughs> point we're at. I, it, I've, the, the beauty of, like you said, Pete, that, you know, this show, it feels like a lifetime in between weeks. I've been in crypto since 2018, 19, which is only a few years, is we've gone through some crazy, like, if you've been in it for 18 months now, you've even seen ETH jump and fall the way back down. So I don't think there's a better way to be prepared than to having lived through that andy's the most experienced in this field uh but i definitely am comforted like i'm not i was never gonna say well the irony is i actually said i feel this coming i want to sell and i just never did it which further proves i'm the worst trader of all time <laughs> um but I think we could go so much lower and that's where I think there's there's ship posting which is fine but like you said the NFT influencers who are joking about this stuff as if it's like guaranteed we're going to return to these levels like at some point maybe maybe not but like anytime soon I think we could just go like this could be the moment where we absolutely zero out on all those shitty projects like it wouldn't shock me 
Well, and the thing too, like when people say like a bear market, like, and, and not that I'm some veteran too, but when I, I mean, there was a stretch for like a year after I first bought some of my Bitcoin where I didn't even think about Bitcoin for like a year and a half because no one yeah. was talking about it. <laughs> like it was just like, it didn't exist for a long span there. Like I, I'm sure the hardcore developers and, and crypto people were still building and talking about it, but like the mainstream, like we just stopped caring for a long time. Like it was not in the news. There was no price action. And so I feel like you'll know you're in a bear market where you log into your discord chats and no one's talking and you log on to Twitter and people are talking about other shit like that's when you're in a bear market yeah i yeah i for sure i'm like i think andy said it before like he's building something so he's building you know and it doesn't really matter with the fluctuation of price now it does for the fun stuff he does but like for fractional like you have to build a company and the price shouldn't like if if it's not successful in you know, it'll be more successful when the market's pumping, but if you can't get it to a place where, you know, when it's lower and I love how quiet it's gotten, like, I'm not going to lie. Like we're trying to build something, you know, we're trying to build a chicken tender business and it's awfully noisy. When I people thought you were going to say nights and DJ yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of fucking chicken tender business. <laughs> no, but in, I, I'm saying getting away from even the NFT world, like it's busy. I'm building snapback. And it's like, yeah, we're doing great. We're hitting revenue goals, all that. And then there's some Joe Schmo in his parents' basement who's like making our revenue, you know, on one fucking mint for $300. And so it's a completely different world. And I know I, I shouldn't compare the two, but it is noisy. And so for me, at least, it's been calming to like hear some of that noise subside to remember that like we all just got to, you know, build and, and some of this stuff, the headlines... <laughs> that's, that's the new headline uh for tomorrow um yeah it's uh it's been rough out there i feel like we should do a little table setting for people just you know obviously we've had pullbacks in all of the big coins all the big nft projects but andy i would say the the big news item has been this ust the terra uh depegging I've read multiple threads about it. I've tried to uh, to understand it, but is there any way you could give us the layman's version of what happened and why this has created so much panic? Yeah, so I'll give you two versions. One is like technically what happened, and the other is a really fun theory as to how it happened. Um, so basically, and this is something that like a lot of people have been very public about for a while as far as like, the concern or risk with like the Terra ecosystem uh, is essentially the way that UST is minted is you burn Luna to mint UST at a one-to-one -one dollar ratio. So if Luna is currently worth $50, you burn one Luna, get 50 UST. Uh, and likewise, you burn 50 UST, uh, get $50 worth of Luna. The caveat is like that system, it always assumes that UST is $1 in that like mint and burn. doesn't matter. UST could be $3. It could be $0.03. Cents. doesn't matter. It always will function as if it is a dollar for that mint and burn. And so the risk came because UST outpaced the growth of Luna's market cap. And so UST was, it got to like a, 13, 
I guess I can just pull up CoinGecko. That's that's easier than me trying to guess. I'm I am sitting in front of a computer. Uh, so UST got to uh, as far as market cap goes, about a nineteen billion dollar market cap right before the collapse. It had basically been up only, and for the most part, Terra was you know pretty much outpacing that. It was at like a 40, 40 billion. I said not as a million billion. So it was like a nineteen billion dollar market cap, uh, and and Terra had had generally outpaced that, and it got up to around forty two or so billion at peak, um, and so then basically what happened was the 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 like systemic risk was that eventually in that buy and burn mechanic, Terra becomes the market cap of Terra becomes less than the market cap of UST. And then there's not enough Luna to withdraw when you're when you're redeeming UST to to burn it to like cash out. It's because the whole incentive mechanism is that if UST is worth less than a dollar, you should burn it for a dollar's worth of, of Luna and then sell it on the market. But now Luna's market cap is less than half of UST's market cap. So that is now like UST has become insolvent. There is not enough Luna in the world to like recapitalize UST, which is why they are now trying to raise billions of dollars to basically save the peg um, but they would have to raise a lot of money like nine billion dollars um In so said, so that's basically like how the mechanism works and so once ust became depegged people started burning luna but at the same time or burning ust to, to get luna to sell it but at the same time like the price of luna was crashing faster than that happened and it became under collateralized essentially and explain for me because uh, Duquan, the the guy uh, behind the the Terra ecosystem, he had made headlines recently for buying a shit ton of Bitcoin. And was that yeah. supposed to serve as like a, a reserve currency to like back this this what apparently was a house of cards? Yeah. So basically, one of the criticisms was that like backing it solely with Luna uh, means like the price is too reflexive, and so when things are going well, Luna rockets up in value. And the price and like the total supply of UST increases pretty consistently over time. But when things are going poorly, you know, like really, really drops in value, uh, and like it's not good, obviously. Uh, and so the idea was basically that they bought a bunch of Bitcoin and said, like, okay, alongside being able to burn UST for Luna, you also can burn it for Bitcoin uh, to create this like other reserve, basically. But it wasn't like a programmatic thing. And so it was more just like this idea that it was also backed by Bitcoin and that they would use those Bitcoin funds to help stabilize the peg. Um, and then obviously Bitcoin going down as well made that way worse uh, because, you know, they bought a bunch of Bitcoin with UST at like $45,000 and now it's all gone down 33%. Um, but so... I think the more fun version of this, so that's like kind of the mechanism of how this is like kind of unraveled is essentially the backing behind the 13 billion outstanding UST is like half. So they're just, it's, it's become fully unpegged at this point. There's, uh, there's just not enough money in the system right now to buy all of the UST back and people have lost, lost faith in it, obviously. So that's like the mechanism for how it works. Yeah. Now the more fun thing is the theory for why this all happened. <laughs> and that has to do with this very large trading firm called Citadel Securities. Um, the 
guy who runs Citadel is the one who bought the uh, the Constitution from Constitution Dow. Okay. Um, so basically, and and again, this is like totally a theory. I, I have no evidence that this is true, but I've seen people talking about it on Twitter. Seemingly, there's some like trading stuff that executed on Genesis trading books, uh, which is another like OTC desk that would make it seem like this happened. But yeah, so here's the here's what seemingly played out, which is Citadel basically borrowed a shit ton of Bitcoin and then they made an OTC deal with the Terra Foundation. And so this was real, it happened. They made an OTC deal with the Terra Foundation for 25,000 uh, Bitcoin, which is, it was like one and a half billion dollars um, for UST. And then they shorted Bitcoin and started just massively dumping Bitcoin. And as like Bitcoin dropped heavily, then they started just massively dump, dumping UST to, to destabilize the peg. And then the entire Terra Foundation had to start selling the Bitcoin that they had just bought to start buying back the peg. And then they eventually were able to close out their, you know, they'll eventually be able to close out their Bitcoin short and make a ton of money. And so this was like, like the theory is that they basically just like played the Terra Foundation and used their mechanism that was poorly designed uh, as a way to like fuck them over. And so from the Terra Foundation's perspective, they would do this OTC deal just to avoid slippage and, and just from market buying. Yeah. Yeah. And and you and so the theory would be that Citadel had it, it was like a more devious calculation to to purposefully fuck them over versus just finding a, a buyer. Yeah, I mean I think they just probably knew that they could make a couple billion dollars off of this. Wow. They're like, all right, sick. In Explain to me because there's lots of other stable coins. Uh, I know like a lot of people feel like they can trust stuff like USDC. Do you, should people think of uh, UST like in that same basket of stable coins or are the mechanisms here actually different in a way that people should have been more cautious than they should be with other stables? Yeah. So they are pretty actively different. Um, I'll say there's like the, so there's, the idea of like algorithmic stable coins and then there's peg stable coins uh, or like maybe not peg doesn't matter, but like fully backed. Uh, and so like a fully backed stable coin would be um, like USDC or USDT or um, I think it's PUSD, which is the like Paxos one. Uh, so those are like, I give Coinbase or I give circle $1 circle gives me one USDC that dollar sits at a bank account. Um, if I ever want my dollar back, I give them back the USDC. And so that's like, you know, fully backed by US dollars. I think I think it's like 99 or 95% US dollars and like some bonds or something. It's like an extremely conservative backing where like the risk of, you know, you don't have any volatile assets backing it. And so that's like USDC, USDT are the two big ones. Uh, and the criticism there is that they're centralized. Like, you know, the both of those contracts have the ability to like lock out accounts that, you know, say a regulator says, Hey, this account was, you know, funded through money laundering, lock the funds in that account or whatever, whatever reason. And so people have generally been trying to create decentralized stable coins kind of as a, to actually have like something that is not kind of under those same, that same like regulatory constraint. So the first one that was, that's been successful was Dai, and so that's what I worked on at MakerDAO. Uh, the major difference between Dai and um, and Terra and UST 
is that Dai is over collateralized, whereas Terra is like at most collateralized for the most part, but not always. Um, the way that Dai works is you can only so you deposit say Ethereum into a, what they call a vault, uh, and so let's say you deposit uh, 150 Ethereum. The most Dai that you could borrow against that is 100. And once you go under that ratio of 150 Ethereum to 100 Dai, you get liquidated, and the system sells Ethereum until it, until it recoups all the money that it gave you. And so with those systems, what it instead does is, you know, because it is over collateralized, it has you know some. There are risk teams that work at MakerDAO who kind of like they evaluate every thing that's added to the site or added to the protocol and they assign it risk scores and then they give collateralization ratios. And so the safest assets are maybe maybe 130, 140%, 150% collateralization ratio. The really, really unsafe assets, I mean, really, really unsafe assets don't get added to the protocol. The unsafe <laughs> ones are maybe 200%, 250%. And so what that allows for is you have this really large buffer between when does some when does someone get liquidated and when do we run out of money to pay back these loans uh, that is like essentially at this point like really really hard for them to become under collateralized it would require like a massive black swan event um, for that to happen and that's basically what almost happened in March 2020 of last year which a lot of people called like Black Thursday where. Um, basically maker had like liquidation issues where the liquidation auctions that were happening weren't actually making them any money. And so they lost a ton of money. Uh, the protocol did and like, weren't able to basically people got liquidated on their loans and didn't get paid back at all for their loans. And the system didn't recapitalize itself. And so users and the system lost a ton of money and the system was like millions of dollars in debt. And so then basically the way that maker recapitalizes itself in that situation is it sells at maker on the open market to, until it repays its debt, it like mints more maker and auctions it off. Um, so it's a pretty, you know, kind of in theory, it's the same in that you back, you deposit money into this thing and it mints you new tokens and it always assumes those tokens are a one-to-one -one ratio or $1, whether or not they actually are. Uh, but the difference here with like maker is that they're over collateralized and it's significantly harder for the entire system to become a liquid like this. Uh, outside of that, there's been a ton of other attempts at algorithmic stable coins with like, credits and all this stuff um there's some that are just like purely backed by usdc or mostly backed by usdc um those have seemingly done okay the biggest one there is called frax um but yeah stable coins are tough mike sorry that you, was a lot no no it was good we needed that uh that level setting because it it is a little tricky uh i have a hard time wrapping my head around it fully uh, Mike, do, do you mess around with, with stables at all? Were, were you, uh, unscathed with this? Uh, no, I was largely unscathed. I think with the Terra ecosystem, the question that always came to people's mind and why a lot of people felt it was unsustainable was that the anchor aspect of it was yielding 20%. And the question is kind of what's supporting that what's behind it. And the theory was this gets big enough that it grows into something kind of more than just a stable coin that it's used as a, a currency. And that adoption leads to. Uh, supporting the yield uh, in time, I think at least. And I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not unlike a lot of the token issuances from some of these protocols where it's okay, you know what, we're going to kind of pay out this yield over time, the yield is going to come down, but the adoption will go up and transaction fees 
will support the yield. And there are basically a lot of questions about the sustainability of a lot of these things. And a lot of people pointed to the Terra ecosystem and said it, it doesn't make sense. There's not the collateral and the financial backing to continue paying out this yield and to kind of justify the stable coins sticking together. And it's, it's, it's kind of a common theme throughout crypto. It's like, this doesn't make sense in the short term. There could be a bunch of things that play out that then you can look back and say, oh, this all didn't make sense. But it, 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 a lot of people have been calling for this to collapse for a long time, a lot of smart people. And so it's interesting to see it finally playing out. And whether it was the catalyst from Ken Griffin and his cronies at uh, Citadel, <laughs> if that's actually what happened, or just the market itself collapsing and accelerating this collapse, a lot of people forecast that this was coming, but a lot of people have forecasted there's been collapses elsewhere in crypto that haven't actually played out yet. And it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of this stuff that seemed to be rife with kind of Ponzinomics and tokenomics play out when the up only phase uh, goes away. What's the, what's the difference between like just swapping your Ethereum for US dollars versus um, like a stable coin? Like why would one do it? The yield yeah. you can get on it. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of yield opportunities. It's also just easier and cheaper to keep it within the ecosystem if you plan on potentially doing with something with it longer term. If you want to eventually... It, it, converting out, out of crypto into fiat is expensive and time-consuming and all that. So if you want um, the safety of US dollar pegged tokens, um, but without actually moving to US dollars, that's a nice appealing thing. And then, yeah, to, to Pete's point, you can get a nice uh, yield on it. Gotcha. So if I were like, I wanted to sell my ETH at 3K, but I didn't like really want the US dollars in my bank account. It was just because I saw a bear market incoming. That's when you would swap it. It's for trade. Yeah, and I would mostly. say it also allows for like a speed of execution thing. If you're like a really active trader and most of your trading is on chain, you're not on like FTX or something. Yeah. Like, even there, I think like the deeper, the deepest markets are the US, the stablecoin markets as opposed to the US dollar markets. And so, um, it's generally just yeah. It's like a. It's so it's not more, for more for sharps market. like me on Coinbase. Well, so I mean, on Coinbase, like they have US dollar and USDC markets on right. the Coinbase Pro, um, and generally the USDC market will be more liquid than the US dollar market because they also have all the on-chain markets to arbitrage things. Like more a more pro trader can gotcha. like arbitrage the USDC market in a lot of different ways and uh, kind of stay more liquid generally within the crypto system. Even like Coinbase and Blockfolio and Gemini, they'll give you six to 7% on your USDC uh, if you want to put it in like their earn programs versus just having your cash sit and, uh, and do nothing. Um, and, you know, if you're, you know, protecting, like putting money aside for taxes, you know, that six to 7% can, can add up. I think we had that conversation when we were talking about deferring taxes too. And if you have your stuff sit in stables and earning some yield, you can, you know, save your ass a little bit for on, on how much you owe. I mean, what's um, interesting with the, the yields we're talking about here, things like Nexo and a lot of the other platforms like that, that take your tokens and basically generate a yield on it themselves and pay you. That's like the whole banking system in the US. I feel like most people watching probably know, but you deposit your money at a bank the bank pays you like 0.1% these days, basically nominal interest. And they take that money and lend it out to companies and other platforms and, and they capture that spread. That's essentially what's happening. A lot of these yield platforms where they pay you out on a three to 5%, whatever it is. And they then take the tokens you're storing with them and do something active with them. 
there are a lot of people out there who think that the underlying platforms are taking a lot greater of a risk than you are being rewarded for by storing your tokens there. And, and like the U.S. heavily regulated system, the banks are under very, very strict rules about what reserves they need to keep on hand, what they can actually do with the capital. Um, and so you, and there's FDIC insurance for what that's worth. Um, but your your deposits are pretty safe. And in these ecosystems, there's actually not that much protection for the depositors. The platforms themselves take risks, some more than others, and you're probably being undercompensated for that risk. So I feel like the now the big kind of talking point about what transpired here is obviously there's what it does for you know, market participants and, and having fear. But um, I was going to pull up this tweet from Scott Lewis, who he sounds incredibly concerned almost from a regulatory standpoint. You know, he's talking about entering a, a sober beer mar bear market. Ari Paul kind of came back, but he said, you know, mark to market losses are on par with Enron, centralized finance lenders in UST may blow up. Many inside the administration already want to crack down on crypto. NFT reflexivity going the, the wrong way. Like, what do you guys think about this from a regulatory standpoint? Because this is the kind of news story that, you know, regulator, boomer regulators love to sink their teeth in and point and say, see, this is why crypto is dangerous and bad. Yeah, I, th I think it like, it's just another kind of thing that they can pull on and be like, Elizabeth Warren can be like, see, I told you stable coins are risky. And it's like, no, well, this one was, but stable coins in general aren't. They're very different things. And like, there's just so much nuance to it that gets lost and just gives a lot of people like fodder. Um, and so we'll see. I think end of the day, most and most anything that comes from this probably would have come anyways, down the line, whatever. There's a world where this, you know, changes things substantially. But I think it'll probably just be really a really frustrating couple months of listening to people say well you see what happened to ust why couldn't that happen to die or usdc and having to explain 10 million times why that's not they're not the same thing and like that can't happen or it would be nearly impossible to happen and and things like that um and so it definitely isn't good from a regulatory perspective um just because it's going to like give them more at like reasons to crack down harder, like on crypto regulation in general. But like, I think that having some level of consumer protection for things like this, like this particularly is not a bad thing. I think it's good to protect like retail people who just saw 20% APY and thought they could, you know, saw like a guy on TikTok who was like, Oh, I'm going to buy this <laughs> one and a half million dollar home and pay off the mortgage with the, with the APY from anchor. <laughs> it's like really yeah, he's kind of screwed now um <laughs> and so like i think it's good to at least like you know think of regulation around kind of appropriate disclosure of risks and things like that that i don't think we're really done well with with this ecosystem and, and stuff that i think we good in general um but odds are it'll be a lot more than that and it'll be a pain in the ass and maybe slow things down a little bit Jack's going to actually going to be testifying about how he waited a year to get out of his sushi farm and uh, how he was a victim. Of, yeah. Against, uh, decentralized and, against Andy. No, the, <laughs> the funniest part about all that stuff is like, it's fucking confusing getting in and out. So you almost have to have an experienced person teaching you, but 
yeah, regulation, I don't know if I'm for it or if I'm against it. Like that's part of what makes this stuff fun is that, you know, we get to make our own decisions. I mean, I've needed I've needed multiple Google Doc explainers hand holding just to get in and out of DeFi Kingdom stuff. Like, I mean, and that's supposed to be one of the most accessible decentralized finance things. And I still needed to have my hand hold it to just be able to navigate how to do that properly. So it's uh it's tough for sure. I, I want to um I want a little bit of a palate cleanser. I do obviously want to talk about the Azuki stuff. Let's let's do a little um right turn though before we get to that. Mike, are we excited about Doris Burke coming to NBA Top Shot? Yes, I do, I do really like that. I think Doris Burke it might be the only person in the United States who's universally loved. I don't know if anyone doesn't like Doris Burke. And so if you're going to align with anyone, that's a great person to do it. And I really like the idea of adding audio to moments. There have been people over time who have added the announcer uh, commentary to moments, and it's been really, really cool. It enhances the moment a lot. And so I hope this is a move in that direction. Uh, and so I thought, I thought this was really exciting, really cool. Um, I will do a little thing at the end where I don't love them changing existing moments. I think um, I was talking to a few friends about this in the Wolfpack today, and a few of them suggested this, and I agree with it, where it's, if you want to do something like this, do it on new moments. Now you, you take these existing moments that people have bought and sold and they, they may either not want this Doris Burke commentary on it and wouldn't have bought it otherwise, or they wouldn't have sold it if they knew. And so it seems a little bit odd that, and it seems like it removes the feeling of truly owning what you bought if they can go in and just kind of change it like this. So I think they need to be careful with that. This was a, a good way to test it. Cause I don't think anyone's going to be upset that this happened to their moments, but some people might be sad that they sold this moment. So I, I just think that concept as a whole is something they need to navigate very, very carefully. But this is a huge win overall for the platform, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think of the the people. Yeah. If you, if you were attached to your moment and now it's now it's different. Uh, you know, this is because that's the whole thing with NFTs, too. Right. Depending on how on chain they are about, you know, what can be done to them, like how permanent they are. This is actually kind of an interesting use case for that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this has been something that in one form or another has been discussed in the NFT space for a long time. I think there was some artist who released a project that that he literally changed the image of art into an image of a rug and suggesting this is this is how easy it is to rug someone. Um, I, and I can't remember exactly what the detail was there, but I, I thought that was an interesting thing the person did. But look, a lot of these are the criticism of, you know, uh, people criticize NFTs as they're just a link to something else. And in many cases, that's actually right. And so, uh, again, I, I think we're we're moving away from the positives that we're here, but I think that's something that yeah. Top Shot should stay very conscious of. Yeah, Jack, any, any takes on this? Jack, going with the, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything nice at all. It's nice. Um, Doris, you don't like it? Yeah. Like on a scale of one to 10, how much do I care about Doris Burke commentating on my moment? Like 1.1. Really? Oh, I'm like genuinely happier than that. I think it's cool. What about yeah, Jack? Yeah, I'm Jack, not denying set aside it's, the Set aside what she's actually doing from a, an influencer marketing standpoint. How about? Oh, uh, 0.1. 
Okay, Dor you don't you don't think Doris is gonna bring in uh interest some new people? Like, with all due respect to Doris Burke, because she is unbelievable. Like they they've tried this with Kevin Durant and Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that Doris Burke is necessarily the key here. Um, and so that's what I do for a living. We do influencer marketing. I would not spend money on Doris Burke personally. But I like Doris Burke. She's cool, but I just don't think it matters. Yeah, I think, I mean, and my guess, Jack, what you're hinting at is you feel like there's bigger fish to fry right now than a, a program like this where we've kind of seen versions of this and it hasn't meaningfully affected the platform. Is that your take? I, I'm just like, do I think it's cool? Yes. Do I think it's a great get for Top Shot? Yes. Do I care personally? No, not really. Will it affect the Top Shot market or economy like 90% of people watching or who react to Top Shot news? Like, for a fact, it will not. That I, I'm most certain. One thing I think you might be discounting is this like stacking effect of like validation, right? Like Top Shot yeah. to get to the mainstream still has to push through tons of barriers of people not understanding, not getting it. And it's like, oh, Kevin Durant, he just got paid to do it. And then it's like, oh, well then Doris Burke did it too. And I feel like that kind of trust can ultimately build up if you stack those people. No doubt, no doubt. Um, which is why I think like, this particular move in a vacuum is nothing to me. Is it a good sign? Yes. Would I rather they take that $750 million uh, flow fund and just buy all our bags? That I would be at like a 10 for if they said we're just we're buying everything back. We believe in this shit. Um, you, want, but, you want Top Shot to sweep the floor with the Rohan wallet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I mean, that's just my honest feel. Like, to get Doris Burke, one of the you know main commentators in the world, to do it, it is cool. Like I was super pumped when uh, who who did the first ever moment that they talked over. I think it was an all star moment. Uh, the, and they had Clay Thompson. They had Kevin no, Durant. No, no. They, this they was they had like, this was they the had like Josh Hart, but it wasn't. I, I don't know if that was recorded. no no. I Someone remember who made their first all star. Oh, yeah, oh, I don't wanna... Mike Conley. Mike Conley. Mike yes, Conley. Mike Conley. Conley. Yeah. Um, like I thought that was cool. I also thought maybe there would be more of that. Um, but like no one cares. Uh, so, so to your point, Pete, like validation. Yes. Um, yeah, I, it's not a bad thing unless they were like, it's Doris or LeBron, you know, which I don't think was the case, but, uh, I'm in a break right now. Steady. So, so Steady Breaks is like Top Shot's first official partner for pack breaking. So I'm actually in a break, but I think they're doing the other one or I missed mine. So like I'm look, I still hang around. I'm still following the stuff. That's just why I like Doris Burke. I'd rather bid function. Like if they spent, I know it's different teams, but like if I could pick, do I want Doris commentating or do I just want to be able to fucking place a bid? Um, yeah. I would choose the latter. Yeah, Mike, I don't think you were here last. Were you here since they've kind of overhauled their their system? Did we have that talk with you yet? Moving away from collector score, scaling back the drops the rest of the year. Have, have we gotten your official take on some of that stuff? I know you've had a thread since uh, since we last talked. I've, I've been I've been doing some rants. We'll call them the, the uh, uh, you know messy threads, messy threads. 
Redman one shot, try to be like Punk 6529, mix in some typos and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Punk 6529 is just fantastic. All, all, uh, all the I love how much his typos tilt you. You still can't get over spending so me. much time I, out of thread. He's, he's writing like these like fantastic philosophical, unreal threads with like, gr- like fantastic commentary weaving in like economic concepts and philosophical comments and just has like typos everywhere. <laughs> well, I'm going to pull yours up on the screen and I'm going to look so goddamn hard for a typo, Mike. I'm sure they're there. <laughs> I, 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 just, I, just, I They better not be. I, I called it a rant of the day, suggesting ignore the grammar. So, uh, so talk us through this take here. Okay. Um, this is the take that, um, this actually ties into maybe in the second or third tweets. Can you roll down a little bit? Yeah, click if you click that. This one? That, this, yeah, I think this is super nested. I think there's another one nested within that. Dude, did somebody say nested? Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Wait, wait, okay. Can you, can you, can you yeah. open up that? Uh, this one? Okay. Jack, what the hell happened to your hand? Um, yeah, okay. So on June 4th, 2021, I think this is when they just introduced collector score. My view oh, was kind of... If you do anything other than just tie this to the exact value of the moments and what people are spending on them, it's going to warp the marketplace towards certain activities and towards certain specific types of moments or sets or whatever else, basically wherever they add additional weight to collector score. And that has been a challenge throughout the platform where they push people in certain directions. And strangely, most of the directions they push people in is collecting the worst qualifying asset for something. You'd expect that a platform like this, that's the you know currency of fandom and um, supposed to be about like, collecting and basketball fans and all that good stuff would try and encourage people to cl- collect the best of something. But for example, a lot of challenges have collect and uh, include any rare from Steph Curry. For example, so naturally what the market does is what's the cheapest way to get there? You buy, so you know, whatever the, the cheapest rare for curry is. If you want a trade ticket to participate in the drop, you need to go out there and buy the worst possible asset on the platform because otherwise it's inefficient to get trade tickets. If you want the best collector score bang for your buck, right now there's collector score um, bands, which are common, rare, legendary, and then series one series two series three and so any series one common is worth the same number of collector score points as any other uh series one common and so what that means is it's extremely inefficient from a collector score standpoint to buy a lebron james instead of a bismack biombo or an ish smith and so all of these things are geared towards pushing people towards the crappiest assets on the platform which makes them more like lottery tickets arcade tokens whatever you want to call it rather than encouraging people or at least stepping back from and letting the market decide what are the best assets and i think that's a bit of an odd incentive system what what, what is jack watching over there what, what, i'm the biggest happening? maple leafs fan it's just a it's a community of suffering people and i bet a lot of money on them and they just scored two goals in two minutes let's go leafs all right go, go leafs go leafs so mike i do want to interrupt you in summary no, i do of- want to interrupt you Oh, you do want I, to interrupt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Um, which I hope is fine also. Go ahead. Um, so 
do you think that the people that would be buying the more the better moments like do you think there's a world where the lower market exists where you play this game and the higher market exists what like if someone's competing in a challenge or or trying to build collector score i don't think you're necessarily doing it to go buy and and the second thing is i have seen like when uh these challenges happen like i have seen people go for like a hollow like if when they were doing the points challenge like if siakam you know scored 40 that night obviously you're getting a lot of siakam base buys but then like i follow the one you know some of those bots and like they would buy the hollows and they would buy the mgle so i do think it happened a little but uh yeah what do you think i think that that may happen it's super inefficient to do it and so when you start putting in financial rewards which is what the challenges are and financial incentives and collector score was this way for a long time collector score is basically an, an entry ticket into pack lotto which is free money for a long time then basically you're saying you can quantify what this is worth versus what this is worth versus a typical collector project where or collectible where the market determines this is more desirable for collectible type reasons uh and and when you start defining the value of these things and this is kind of a debate we've been having way back for should, should top shot introduce a game or should they not introduce a game and things like that as soon as you assign value to these things the market will adjust those values and right. should the, you know there's going to be some people who go and decide okay now is the time when you get a siakam hollow but the suggestion i made in the thread was instead of saying the you know any steph curry rare say we're tying collector score to the value of assets and you need a thousand points worth of curry moments and that can be 500 floor curry moments it could be one curry legendary or it could be you might need two curry legendaries if it's a a, a lower valued curry legendary and that basically says you can collect anything you want and it won't be super efficient inefficient or efficient for this game it'll reflect what you paid for it and right I now you almost pray that whatever you happen to decide to buy ends up in one of these challenges because they decided this time it's MGLE or this time it's Luca Coolcats or this time it's whatever. And it, it's it's a bizarre thing that you're kind of trying to say, what did they use recently? They probably won't use that again. So I'm going to buy something else. And instead it should be buy whatever the hell you want. And it's not going to be inefficient because we're structuring it to reward who did best that night. Like Siakam scored the highest points. Great. You own Siakam assets. It's good for any Siakam asset, not this random one. Do you, I love that idea. Does Top Shot have to put the value on moments? No, the, 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 it's, hard, it's definitely hard to define the, the value of assets. With a bid functionality, would that help? Like, for example, you mentioned like, in theory, you could trade into Cosmic, but because pricing is probably not as clear, most likely that wouldn't happen. Uh, but do you think there's like a world where when bidding and prices become much more real, then it's easier for that? I think sim similar to like, it's just a liquidity thing. And we talked about with League Pass or Mer like the idea is I can trade in my $45 moment and get a $45 t-shirt of the Knicks. Well, it's impossible to do that with when no one knows the value, right? Yeah, that, that's a really, really hard problem. Um, a few of the platforms- I can see that in like a yeah. market for What's burning that? where it's like, I can see them making like a burning market kind of thing where it's like we have base set MGLE and like hollows and, you know, as more base set are burned than the others, the like return you get for the others increases. And so they kind of have like this, almost like a liquidity pool where the more you have of one in there, the more valuable the others are. Hmm. 
and you could like then you don't have to actually price them it's just like if the demand to burn base moments is incredibly high then they should be paying more when someone burns an mgle and if that's higher than a hollow then you pay more than burning the the mgle and then you don't have to actually care about price you just set like a baseline of anything you redeem is worth this much the more base that gets redeemed then we'll, we're willing to pay you more for these other sets that we're also accepting. But does that end up, you're saying any base or like, or like there's different pools for like each specific moment? It would, this would probably only be like a tiered thing. It'd be extremely hard to do for like every single But then moment. you reintroduce- It doesn't, it doesn't perfectly solve thing it. thing that qualifies for that tier becomes the most valuable asset basically relative to the perception that the market would typically have for it. Yeah, it only, it only works for the tiers as opposed to the individual assets. I mean, I think there's like a lot of, of a lot more like intrinsic problems with the system they have now. And so like, I, th- I think just trying to solve for it with like price oracles and stuff probably isn't enough. It would require a larger it's still gonna rework. be so subject to overall macro market trends too, right? Like it'd be hard to have, I don't even know how you would do it in a way that would be sustainable. You you mean like the the pool and like burning mechanism or what? No, just like if you just that concept of like what's the true value of these moments? You yeah, know? yeah. Like, I, I think I don't know what the right formula is, but we have like own the moment just rolled out true value, which like yeah. I don't know appears to be somewhat reasonable. Um, Live token has a nice system. Moment ranks has a nice system, and like I don't know if it's Dapper taps six of these and says we're taking the average of these six and. Here, you can look into each of these six components if you want for their calculations. This is how it's going to work. Um, and any changes to those calculations need to, I don't know, be announced four weeks in advance or something like that so people can adjust accordingly. But something that determines an approximate market value. Um, otherwise, it's the kind of thing where it's like you're holding a high-end asset right now and everything is saying it makes more sense to trade this $2,000 asset for 1,000 trade tickets because they're going to push value to trade tickets. And so it's like, okay. Yeah. And, and, and then this all rolls back to someone new arrives in the platform. They don't know what the hell to buy. They, they, they don't know if what they're buying is in the middle of a challenge right now. They don't know if because it's playoffs, the 2021 playoff moments are going to pump or maybe. And then there were four will pump because Roham mentioned something on spaces last week and all these like weird, weird, weird dynamics where instead if you go with just, the market determines what these things are worth. And so you can buy anything at any time, basically. Um, maybe not if it's in a challenge, but yeah, th- th- there needs to be some education. But you can buy any asset that you like and feel good about it. Not that it was in a challenge last week, so it's going to be a mess for the next year. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, I think we all agree that the at least for the lower end moments that having kind of some of the mini challenges have helped keep people engaged. And it, when a lot of the things you invested in, you invested in as a very like long-term hold. And I even remember when we talked about series one stuff, I remember always saying like, these are going to age so much better, right? Because as more moments get flooded onto the platform, and people get engaged in the platform, they're going to go and look back and be like, what are the grails? What are the, what are the moments that, you know, represent smaller addition sizes and scarcity and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you're really zooming out, right? Like, do you, don't you think that some of those pure collector items from series one are going to continue to age gracefully as all this other crazy shit is happening on the platform? 
Maybe I just personally, I'm not a fan of the like, you know, challenges are good because they gave people who held arbitrary asset a exit liquidity at some point because it's at the expense of like the whole core of the platform, which is collecting. It, it, it turns it into Dapper Bingo, basically. Or, or do you happen to be owning what Dapper decides to bequeath with value next? And that just diminishes from That's a great word. Thank you. Um, that diminishes from like the entire ethos of the platform. This is an NBA collectible. No, this is actually a, a product where if you properly guess Dapper's next move, you can monetize that. And so the first order effect is great. This is wonderful. Periodically, I get exit liquidity. The second order effect is the entire market collapses because no one wants to own these things anymore for what they are. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think we're in a place where Pricing seems very fair to me on a lot of these moments. Like if the bull, if the bull market, bear market never happens and it was a slow build and this is where prices were with a bid functionality, I think like this is a very comfortable spot. Like to me, these things are reasonably priced. I went today, like some of the legendary moments like they're they're holding up like a decent decent floor like a decent value at least um cuz they're super scarce which i think is nice and the high price moments like yeah Derek Rose moment you know shouldn't be priced at a million dollars carlini um <laughs> but but like some of these stuff have have sold for really good good prices so um yeah i hope it i hope the bids come all right Let's um let's transition over to uh Azuki's, which kind of dominated the conversation, I'd say, I don't know, the past 36 hours. Um, Andy, do you want to do some table setting uh for us? And and we know you love the Azuki's. Are you able to have an unbiased I think I can I think I can about your Zook bags? I think I can muster it up, muster up the will to <laughs> to carry on. Uh yeah, so I don't have to be honest, the, the a little bit I don't have that much information on, and I just like honestly haven't cared enough to spend that much time doing that much more research on it. But the the high level idea is essentially Zagabond, who's kind of like the face and one of the founders of Azuki, released a blog post yesterday about like his builder's journey, um, <laughs> in which he talked about making three projects. Uh, that apparently, you know, so it's Funks, which everyone knows and loves or hates. Um, that one is seemingly, was seemingly not the worst, but then some other information came out. Um, something called Tendies that I had never heard of. I, I still have no idea what it is. It That's looks like where little, we drew the line. Yeah, that was it, fucked up. <laughs> it looks like turds as NFTs. Um, and then Zunks, which I actually bought some Zunks forever ago. <laughs> I thought they were like kind of fun. Uh, where you could like basically combine different um, attributes of punks and like create a new punk. Um, I thought it was like a fun derivative. I thought it was cool. Um, didn't really have any issue with that one. But I guess like where people seemingly took issue, like I guess Tendies was just a rug. I, I don't know. Um, that one, I, I again, I have not taken the time to do the research on. I just didn't really care that much. Um, the funks i guess they like kind of he handed over the project pretty early on uh i wouldn't have taken issue with it too much other than apparently 
when the looks rare stuff was happening early on, uh, the Funks creator, which now is seemingly them, increased the royalty price, the royalty amount, and then Flash traded, Flash Moon traded a bunch of Funks on looks rare to earn a bunch of royalties that people didn't know that they were going to be selling on. Um, and so they like seemingly kind of like really fucked over some people there. Um, and that was like after some... the Azuki mint too, right? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I think I, I think sure. I saw that it was. Yeah. So that was like super not cool. And, and then I guess with Zunks, they like had, you know, made it seem like there was promises of more of building like a marketplace and some other stuff for it. Um, and so where I like was talking about it online over the last 24 hours, my thing was like the projects where they didn't really promise anything and they just like sold some NFTs. I really don't have issue with like the guy made a derivative of punks called funks and people bought it for millions of dollars. Like I don't feel that bad for you. All right. That's just like, whatever. I think the, the idea of like, Oh, I'm making this thing and then I'm going to make a marketplace and do all this other stuff. And then to just disappear is like not chill. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, so I, I thought, I think it's like a more interesting discussion, like high level around like what constitutes a rug, what constitutes a failure, what constitutes something else, uh, entirely. Uh, and how do you like quantify those things? Um, but yeah, so he then got on a Twitter spaces today to talk about it and was like pretty not apologetic. I was not on the Twitter space, but some of the, my team was at Fractional. We were talking about it in Slack. Why Why did he release this? It, the assumption was that there was going to be an expose. They said that it was a... They Is said it that that everyone's rumor. saying the Cool Cats team was I black. saw that rumor too, yeah. <laughs> Is that real? I just don't believe that, but I don't know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean that's. So, uh, oh, go ahead. So then they went on Twitter Spaces and were like super not apologetic. Um, Multiple people or just this guy? This guy and the a woman who he who works on Azuki's as well, who also worked on Zunks. One of the problems people had was that one of the like anons for Zunks was a woman, um, and they're like, "You're not a woman." Um, mm. He was saying, no, it was actually this person. Again, that's something that, like, I haven't done enough research in to, like, care about. Um, but, yeah, so they were, like, super non-apologetic. And then just, like, while we've been live, he released, like, a, another apology. Uh, saying, like, he had time to reflect. He realizes he fucked up. Um, they're they're going to find ways to reconstitute the communities that they worked on previously. With cash, I'm assuming from Mizuki. Um, it's crazy too, just from like PR 101. I and I, I can't even remember the last story we talked about this with. But if you just come out and just do this right away, and just apologize. I mean, you get so much more goodwill from people. That was what I said to my friends. Was like, if this was the first thing you said, people would have been like, "That's fucking weird." Like, that's yeah, fucked up. But you get over it. Um. Jack, what are you what are you fist pumping over there? Maple Leafs. Jack's log of the day is so alive. Matthew scores with six minutes left. I think is this an underdog up. parlay or some? No, other no, 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 no. Okay, can't keep track of your burgers and fries and your. I know. Hockey I know. Yeah, what is it? What's the burgers and fries? And what's going on? 
Yeah, burger. I just nicknamed you know when we take a pick five, five guys burgers and fries. We hit one recently. Um, Are Are you trying to get a deal out of that or what? No, we have our own food business, and people suggested <laughs> that I not call it that as it's bad marketing. Um, but everyone likes Five Guys, right? Like on this, pretty universal, yeah. That, yeah. A little, little I think... salty for me, but it's fine. Okay, fair, fair. Um, Hi, bro. Get out of here. I mean, the, the fries <laughs> are just too much salt, man. I anytime I have Five Guys, I literally wake up in the middle of the night and have to chug like a gallon of water. Do you then wake I mean, up again great, after that to go to the bathroom? Or is it just yes, it's, it it, it's basically a domino effect that ruins my entire night, is what I'm trying to say. If I drink water after like 9 30 p.m., I wake up to pee. It's bad. Yeah. But I mean, what am I gonna do? Fall back asleep with cotton mouth all dried out from I hear you. I, I, yeah. I hear you. Yes. Um, sorry, how did we get derailed? Um <laughs> Jack was <laughs> dancing in the background. Oh yeah. My ADHD. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so what? Azuki's at, at one point they were what were what did they hit, Andy? Were they at like a 30 ETH? Was that their top? Or were they did they get even higher than that at one point? 32, something like that. 32. Obviously, this uh had them screaming back down i'm seeing what they're at on open c right now they're at 8.8 like what what's your what's your read on this like 8.8 can they, re- 8. Can they co- Wait. recover from this or i think lou said they were 11 like 20 they've minutes been all over the place during this stream there's That's still crazy. a ton of buying action on them here but andy do you think they can recover from this i think i think they can recover from it I don't think it'll ever be the same. I think it's uh, one of those, like in the like, kind of in the same vein as like Pudgy Penguins. Like, yeah. Cole sold the IP; it's owned by someone else. They're going to do cool shit, but there's like, there's a mimetic energy that you lose from something like this that is incredibly hard to recover from. Of like, taking a hit like that for something that's not like a product. It's not that they're building a protocol and people are now dis like disenfranchised with the protocol. But if you build a great protocol, it doesn't matter type of thing. You can't like bribe people to use Azuki's as their profile pictures. I mean, I guess you could. <laughs> like it's, it's it's a harder it's a harder thing to do when it's more of just like a cultural relic and like the mimetic value of them. And so it'll be really, really hard. Um, probably it involves him stepping down. I think it's hard to get around it without that or anyone on the team who was involved. Uh, or just them like fully selling the IP, but yeah. I think outside of that, it'd be really challenging. They have to sell the IP for like, I mean, probably they could probably sell it for a good chunk, but I don't know. In- I, I think like that would be the, the most realistic thing. Like, you know, why wouldn't some larger brand that wants it, you know, that wants to break into NFTs buy buy Azuki's? I think that that like is not the worst idea. Yeah, but I don't know. I, and it it was um heading into um you know even before all this, like we've been talking about this blue chip meta in where the market matured, everyone wants to bet on really established teams. And it's almost like people want to feel cozy. Like I at least want to know this team is trusted, they're not gonna rug, they have you know credentials even outside of the web three space. Like people now want that, and that's why they talk about Yuga and they talk about proof and and Kevin Rose. And now it's like Azuki was there, but if that trust is shattered 
and they don't have that confidence in the team, whether they can execute or not, almost doesn't even matter, right? It's all about perception and how people perceive the team now. Yeah, hundred percent. Which that when everything is like the vibes and we're throwing a party, you should come. It's going to (laughs) be sick. All this kind of stuff, like the people's perception of the team is everything. Um, Like I was saying, way more so than a protocol with a founder that people think is like kind of a dick or something. Where where does it? Because I remember when Azuki's were first coming, and and you even mentioned like talking with some of their team and people were talking about how accomplished they were. Didn't they have like Facebook or Google devs or something like where do those guys all fit into this? Are they just kind of stuck in the crossfire? I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Zagabond is like an ex Google dev. Okay. Um, yeah. So he's I, one of those I don't think guys. anything is like different there. Um, yeah. I just think like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really mean that. I think it means way less than people give it credit for. Uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, crazy, crazy times, uh, to have that. And I, I was just listening even to the lucky trader podcast, a, a great podcast that our, our guy Lou dog does with, uh, Tyler over there. And it was like, must've been last week. And they're like, well, which one of these kind of projects up here do you think would, would fall off? up in the top like of the doodles the azuki and, and the moonbirds and like azuki's was the last one they mentioned because it's like you don't even foresee something like this happening and things change so quickly uh in this space so yes we will we will keep tabs uh our t's and p's to all the zook heads out here um you know we're, we're more than welcome i know there's a lot of tribalism in the nft space but it's really comfy in these moonbird nests, guys, I'm telling you, just Kate I'm Kate Rose. I'm he, vibing. He puts a little blanket around us each night. He chews up our food for us, and he comes and feeds it to us in our little nests. Um, it, it's truly a comfy place to be. Um, what are what are moonbirds at? Um, They've recovered a good chunk, actually. Three or twenty-three. Still up. Still up. Mike, are you watching moonbirds? Seems like you've been. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. That, 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 that is the beauty of NFT Twitter. You don't have to check prices; they can write to you. <laughs> Mike, add add a Moonbird to the family vault. Come on, buddy. Oh, uh, uh, one of the tell, tell, one tell of our me about, tell me about one of my team sniped the bottom. He did I, I, saw, I saw a tweet that. What did they get down to? I saw a tweet that if you nesting, the the list button on OpenSea is no longer available to you or something. That's common. That's common. Is it? Like, if you stake things, there's no sell button, I think, is all that happens. Yeah, but on OpenSea, OpenSea is not run by Moonbirds. Right. Normally, when you stake, it leaves your wallet. But this one doesn't leave your wallet and... There's no sell button on OpenSea for it. Sounds like a win-win. It's Kevin Rose for you. It's Kevin Rose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what, what? So how does the nesting work? If the longer you nest, like the more like what, what stickers happens? you get, the more you stickers, stickers you get. <laughs> I, I, so many stickers, dude. I, I actually I, so, I bought a is it actually you get like sticker. sticker NFTs or what? It's gonna be it's so become many the meme. Stickers. It's become the meme. But I was listening to Kevin Rose's Spaces on Friday, and he literally said that their sticker manufacturer is like, we can't make any more stickers. That they're literally running the printing presses <laughs> around the clock because he's like, yeah, I ordered half a million stickers for NFT NYC. So the stickers I don't even think are a bit at this point 
Uh, so you definitely will get stickers, but it's like a meme because people are like, yeah, you're buying this 50, you know, 50 right. thing to stake it just to get some fucking stickers. Like, <laughs> That's compelling. All right. Yeah. No, he's confirmed. There's going to be some, there's going to be some airdrops uh, projects, I think coming down the road. And they've, they've been, they kind of switched their mechanism as far as basically now, once you reach one of the like my, nest milestones, that moonbird that's locked in. So even if you go to sell it, it doesn't reset the nesting all the way back to zero. But if you have like progress, like if I were to sell mine right now, whoever bought it would start at zero. But if I sold it right after I got to my bronze nest or whatever, then that's that's locked in. So they, they were trying to figure out a way to like encourage nesting without making people who come in late feel like it's impossible for them to to catch up with everyone else on the rewards that will come. And then I guess to balance that, they're like, well, we'll still do some flash snapshots to reward streaks for people who have never, you know, unnested to to sell. Great Ponzi-nomics, Mike, is what yeah, I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, really compelling Ponzi-nomics, yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. The stickers, okay. though, do, have we seen the stickers? The sticker, you're going to be able to get stickers of your specific Moonbird. Oh. Yep. My yes. Moonbird looks very rare. I mean, like, it's, it, it's really smart, honestly. I think, like, what we're going to see is some level. I think this will affirm this is, like, even more intense of a flight to the things like Moonbirds. And I, I've even been thinking, like, oh, I wouldn't hate to have a board Ape, which is, disgusts me a little bit. But I was even thinking that a little bit. Um for all you board ape yacht club people uh yeah the, the panel of fans we'll just, up here <laughs> I, uh, I think i think we'll see like a move to those types of things and then it's just like a really easy i mean assuming you have the funds and you're in crypto and you like have a moonbird like the value prop of selling it for the 20 ETH gain you have versus like taking the punt on it and seeing what happens is like it just doesn't really make very much sense to sell it, honestly. Uh, there's just the, the upside is pretty high, all things considered, for everything else. That, like, if assuming that you would sell it and like put that money into other NFT projects and not just like cash out and buy a car, uh, I think it just like makes sense to keep one as like a hedge, yeah. Um, David wants to see Andy's Moonbird. I put it on the thumbnail last week. Here's the here's the thumbnail. That that's your burb, right? Yeah, I really like, like the rainbow punk. eyes, and I'm glad I stuck with the beanie. Kind of, yeah. you know, it fits my punk. I associate the beanie with with your personal brand, so I thought I think that's a strong choice. Yeah, there. and the bowl cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The bowl cut pengu. Yeah, it looks like a beanie, right? Yeah. There you go. The bowl cut's fantastic. If there, uh, I owned a pengu for like six hours at some point. I bought it and then I, where was I going? Maybe on the way to Vegas. We were in Vegas. We were yeah. in Vegas, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I bought that it was... I, took, I took off to Vegas and I sold it when I landed. <laughs> that was when Jack was buying all those. What were the oh, okay. NFTs? Like, why kick a man while he's down? <laughs> Oh, Why? You're, you're jumping up and down. What were those crypto strikers or something? Those, those are those are long term buy. Um, <laughs> I'll pump them with the. I'm actually in the midst of paying Mike to pump them with a thread similar to his MLB champions buy. So, I still love bro, MLB champions. I look right. at them all the time. <laughs> oh, I love I love crypto fuckers or whatever they're called. <laughs> uh, yeah, just make stickers of them. That's Zagabon's new project is crypto fuckers. He's no, actually just there's literally a World Cup this winter. If you don't think 
that these are going to the moon, you don't know NFTs. It's as simple as that. Who's going to be your exit liquidity for these, Jack? Hopefully you fucking losers in the chat. <laughs> so, all right. You want to know the funniest thing? The new meme on crypto Twitter. I don't know how new it is, but it's somehow like found my feed recently. Is that when Ioki buys a project, it's dust. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a bidding war with Ioki for my worst NFT buy of all time. These crypto strikers. And I won. And of course, they were absolute. Um, oh, um, which, which was your most expensive purchase? I bought a messy. You get a messy? Yeah, yeah. I bought a. I mean, the the thing is, they actually the messy Ronaldos do sell for like, I think four to six Ethereum. So they're actually not like full dust. Um, but I think I paid like maybe 14 but this was also the time when when did we go over the summer like i'm pretty sure eth was decently high too so it felt like it was a really really big chunk um nowadays like 14 eth is like uh 25 grand in a month right. so you know it's not the worst thing plus thanks to the leafs i'm pretty much even uh so is that gonna is that gonna go on your resume jack uh outbidding steve aoki for uh, a crypto fucker <laughs> poor poor steve aoki that's a tough scene for him i guess the family hadn't liquidated enough benihana stock to uh to keep up with old jackie jackie yeah. packed in a bidding war yeah seriously um all right i say i say i wanted to end uh on a little bit of a high note you know tonight we're we're talking about market downturns you know projects uh dumping i i, I thought a little uh little laden thinks would be fun I'm, I'm bummed csu isn't here he he really gets going for this but he had to dodge us for the terror discussion and so he has to miss laden thinks how do we feel about that um which part oh sorry that yeah i threw a lot at you how do we feel about playing laden thinks uh, that would no, be definitely not. I thought, how do we feel about CSU dodging? Uh, I just had to get in a dig at CSU at the end of, to, to introduce. Is he on the Twitter spaces right now? <laughs> is he? I don't know. He might be. He probably is. We all have our episodes where there's the thing, like, if if Moonbirds had the Azuki crash, I probably would have came down with, like, a light cold tonight, you know, been like, yeah, probably should just kind of take the, uh, the episode <laughs> off. So, you know, we all know how it goes. Uh, I want more NFT stickers in my life. I've won. Well, Mike, if you want NFT stickers, I highly <laughs> Mike, I mean, recommend. Yeah, there's an answer. The mood <laughs> there's a problem. Shout out House of Kiva. What, what are they up to? So, this is actually sad. I don't know exactly what's going on, but Kiba left House of Kiba like last week. They announced that Kiba was leaving the project, and like, it, it's like they've got a whole team. It's not like the the project's going to to dust. As we've been saying on the on the uh, stream, but um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. So I, I, it's doing well overall. They've, I think they're they were they either went public as a company or they were a public company invested in them. But like they're, I think they're publicly traded on the Canadian exchange. I don't know, but anyway, I think it's going well. All right, and I, and I have a sticker. So <laughs> let's. Uh... Should we play? Uh, what if tonight's currency is uh, BBM three entries? So you know we have to. Uh, who the winners get uh, twenty five dollar units from the other participants, but they Sponsored must by they must use that money in BBM three two million dollars up top. 
Mike, we get we're gonna get you in the best ball streets. I know Andy's in them. I know Jack's in them. No, I'll, I'll we... get in them. I don't, I don't know if I have an account set up yet. So I'll, I'll oh, I know, so somehow I get you a promo code where we do live drafts. Okay. Are the All promo right. codes still good? Yeah. Promo code Pete will get you. Uh, I was leaning on promo code match. Jack a few months back, actually. Promo it's code Jack he, he only just gets you a promo code but, Pete was catching was catching fire and Jack was just there scheming up tendies and getting no love. That's right. Yeah. Andrew Mackins underdog employee is absolutely shocked that you're not on, on the site yet. What is going on, Mike? An onboarding issue. It's not a user issue. It's an onboarding issue. Wait, you're not signed up for, I think I am. I don't know. Hey God, Andy, did you do your first zero RB draft the other day? Uh, you chicken out. I think I've done a couple already. Okay. We'll I got see. The I've been keys underdog let, video. Let's see. I've, I've done too many drafts. Uh, How many BBMs have you done? Uh, let's make that the first one. Thanks. I mean, I have an answer. Okay. All right. That's the first one. Uh, so it, yeah. So this will be, this will just be between the three of us. This will be a warm up. So let's ask Mike because I feel like Mike probably doesn't have as good of a frame of reference for this as Jack and I will. Um, how many Best Ball Mania three drafts? That's the new tournament on Underdog. It opened last week. Mike, do you think Andy has done? And don't just say it, Jack. BBM three. Just BBM three. How many drafts has Andy, Andy done? Andy done. Yes. And Jack and I are. But we're asking guess. Mike. We're asking Mike. So Andy's recused because he knows. Hey, Andy should guess. He should just guess. Yeah, last. Andy. Andy definitely Andy, guesses. Andy knows. Mean? Andy knows. I know. I know. Does it doesn't matter. Yeah, right, it doesn't right, matter. Right. I forgot how to play lot and things. <laughs> the kind of thing it's probably it's harder for me because I'm like anchored to the actual answer. Yeah. Hold on. Let me write down my answer. Hold on. Just for context, I have no idea. That's why I think asking you is is good. I feel like I could get in the ballpark for Andy. How many has Andy completed or entered? I don't Andy, I don't Andy doesn't strike me as a slow draft guy. He's a fast. Me guy. neither, but the difference between okay. it. Okay. All right. I'm ready. So I my answer for what the true answer and what Mike's answer is is gonna be way different. Yeah. Okay. My, I mean, mine's pretty different. <laughs> Can I ask a clarifying question? It opened last week. Yeah, what day did it open, Jack? Last Monday. So it's been it's been open eight days, I believe. Yep. Okay. It's been a tough NFT market, so I'm trying to determine: has Andy been busy, or does Andy need? It's also, a a, I mean, we got ten million dollars <laughs> in prizes. This isn't okay. This okay. Is nothing to scoff at. All right, and I don't know if you guys are weighing this in, but I don't know if they're like maximum entrance or anything. Assume I know nothing because I know nothing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're not supposed to give us all the context. As long but... as you all have it, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you have your answer, Mike? Yes. All right. I said Mike thinks Andy has done 26 BBM3s. What did you say, Jack? I said Mike thinks Andy has done 22 i think andy has done eight i was the same no, I, I said that he thinks i've done 40 and yeah. that'll give you an idea <laughs> mike what did you say Damn oh it. yeah well so i don't think mike knows how long those drafts are. no shit. Yeah. he doesn't know anything yeah. like he said <laughs> which is why you had a good guess andy 
what's what's the true answer andy 15 wow really? that's impressive that's impressive holy shit you really oh, do blast off Andy's on a sicko. <laughs> wow that's that i would have so, if you had set the over under at nine and a half i would have hammered the under yeah so let me pull up i think my most recent one was zero rb um but it wasn't like a super true zero RB because it got to this really weird point in like the fifth round where they're just the picks all felt gross. And so I ended up taking running backs. Um, Did you get Brees Hall? Just, Brees Hall's been sitting there in the fifth round. And I like that. Uh, I ended up with J.K. Dobbins. Nice. Um, I like J.K. It was, one of, it was one of those things where he just like dropped Harry you know, Potter. <laughs> a little a little bit further than than I would than where I was just like not going to take him. Um Okay. Um, all right. So Andy has uh, has a point on that one. And Pete and Jack are down. But I've definitely done a few. I think my first draft was zero RB. Let's see. I love it. You love to hear it. All right. I don't know. Chat, you guys can start uh, tossing out some questions and we can start uh, firing some here. Um Let's ask, all right, Jack, at the end of the year, how many Moonbird stickers do you think will exist in the universe at the end of the calendar year? In the universe, by the way, not the Earth. In the year, yeah. This can be like boutique, people making their own. How many Moonbird stickers will be out there? <laughs> <laughs> what a question. <laughs> Let's see. What is going on in Jack's sick, twisted head right now? Who's, who's crunch? Is Andy doing... Back, oh back no, I'm shit Okay. We don't we don't say that man's name around around our nests anymore, okay? Uh what did you say, Mike? I'm trying to uh see if I have an underdog account or not. <laughs> this is that's gonna be our underdog segment this week is screen sharing Mike through uh setting up an underdog account. Ooh, this is a good one. We're going to do this one next. How many tendies has Jack sold today? Wow. Great Ooh. question. Jack has no idea. <laughs> Jack doesn't even know if they're in Brooklyn or not. <laughs> uh, all right. I got my answer. <laughs> okay. Um, so who, who did we, who did we ask on this one? Jack? Yeah. Did we Jack. asked Jack. Yeah. All right. What did you guess for Jack, Mike? Moonbird stickers. 1.25 million. Not too far off from me. I said 1.6 million, 603,069 to be exact. I went with 3 million. What high? 3 million. Jack? We're from different generations, but when it comes to this game, we just fucking think the exact same. Yes. 1.2. Wow. Wow. Mike on the yes. board. <laughs> Jack and I are such normie mainland people. 
Guys, Justin Verlander is currently pitching a, a no-hitter. I know we're not supposed to talk. Oh, never mind. He literally just gave up a single. The classic Mike <laughs> no, 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 Bush. No, it had already happened. Yeah, no, no, the mush of all mushes. It happened already. <sighs> oh, eighth inning. God. There you go. Here we go. Um, I'm so happy with that win, Jack. Just eye to eye. <laughs> I got so you. who do we want to... Who wants to answer this question? Oh, you need to answer. All right, I'll take two. Yeah, I'll take All a right. stab at this. A lot of this has to do with how successful of a businessman I think Jack is. Correct. That's why I want you. <laughs> that's why I want you to. All right. Some hey, clarification. I, yeah, I need some clarifications. Uh, we have mac and cheese, French fries. We have chicken tender sandwiches on the menu. Uh, that counts sauces. as one tendy. I'm gonna. That assume, was my or, question. Or, yeah. You can leave that up to Pete's interpretation. How many tendies well, are on that? There's there's buffalo, individual tendies. There's buffalo mac, which is cut up chicken tenders in <laughs> the mac and cheese dipped in buffalo. Really creamy uh, tendy Tuesday for twenty percent off. Anyways, I'm gonna say any the amount of actual tenders sold. Right. And in, in uh, if I order the chicken tendies meal, what am I getting? Four strips. Uh, we've got a bunch of different combo meals. We've got two guys. It's like underdog. We got pick twos, pick threes, pick fours, and pick fives. So, uh... <laughs> God. All right. And you guys, when did you open again? When were you live? NBA playoffs. So it's been essentially a month, 28 days. And how many locations did we get that? God, if I knew. Um <laughs> Let's call it like 40. I'm lowering my score of uh, 40. Let's call it like, yeah, 40, lo 40 locos. <laughs> Jack is like the Gus Fring of Snapback Chicken, <laughs> El Pollo Loco. Um, all right. I really need to think here. The number of actual tendies sold. Hmm. Man. Thank you, Casey. 37 locations. <laughs> Man, I really don't know what's flattering and what's disrespectful. With this I agree. I think, I, I think I'm being disrespectful, but I have no idea. <laughs> Look, what did I say when we first talked? 1% of Chick-fil-A's market cap is the goal. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. How many We're still so early, guys. All right. I have my guess. I'm not going to editorialize any more about it. All right, Mike. Good God. <laughs> I feel like Jack could be retired if that's correct. What do you mean? Wait, what did you put, Mike? I was just trying to put 420,000. It's not that crazy <laughs> at all. Oh, Mike, we have different answers. All right. <laughs> so do we, Mike. Should I, should I go next? Yeah. I'm not sure. I could, I'm not sure it's possible that your number is further from his. Oh, Mine's 2,500. <laughs> All right. I, I will explain how I got to mine. I'm very <laughs> curious how you guys got to yours. All right. I'm in the middle. Hold on. Oh. Well, I'm the I'm the one who's at 69,000. So you guys want to know? Uh, Andy and I are much more in sync. I said 4,032 10 days. I almost said 5,000. There's 30 games they've been open. 
with 40 stores. So there's 1,200 store days. How many do you think they're selling per day per store? I, mean, I think it's been a slow roll. You, you think they're selling four attendees <laughs> per store per day? That's a fair like, point, I, Michael. I, I 350. That's like 100 meals. Mike, Jack, just tell him you've sold nowhere from four, nowhere close to 420,000. <laughs> we have not. We definitely have not sold that. It is a slow rollout. <laughs> We're still getting things in line. This is crazy. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. How, how many is it? How many is it? Like 2,000 tendies? That would be one and a half tendy per day per store. <laughs> this is breaking Mike's brain. Doesn't make sense. Um, how many? We have, we have our check-in tomorrow. So I'll have updated numbers for you tomorrow. I think we were at, we're at like $15,000 through the first two weeks. Um, but, but and that still, includes mac and cheese. Yeah, and and you know all that stuff. So and each tender, you know, is probably three dollars. <laughs> so that would still be you know. 5, I feel 000. like Andy and I That's were kind of in the ballpark. Then. No, no, you guys, you guys are are totally yeah because we we haven't even turned bro. We're That's in right, a beta and we haven't turned on marketing. <laughs> like <laughs> what? Like you never heard of marketing that will be Wait until the wake back. Yeah. This is crazy. Okay. Reason, okay. Setting aside, what do you guys think is like a normal number of tendies to be sold per store per if, day? If we're, if we were fully function, if we are fully functional, like going ham, uh, we should probably be doing like, Hundred tenders a day. I remember, we're not the main. Twenty-five meals, Mike. Yeah, we're not the main. You walk into the store and there's this main display up. Yeah, like Mike, you get it's only delivery. Uh, it's only found like online. Online is bigger than in person. So yeah, yeah, we're in the first (laughs) inning. We haven't even left the pregame meal. Which tendies are being served? Okay. Oh, that was good. That was good. All right. Um, so Andy won that one. Okay. Who's uh, who hasn't been asked a question yet? Andy. Right. I'm ready. Give All me right. your worst. Give Andy. Are we looking to the chat? Should we make suggestions? All right. Hang on. Here's one. How many rows were in Andy's transaction log for um, 2021 NFT transactions? Like assuming, you know, Ali exports, compiles all of his trades. How many rows, aka how many single NFT transactions, crypto transactions, DeFi transactions did Andy do? In, in DeFi also that you just kind of slip that in there. Well, I, I assume for tax purposes, that would any time coming in and out, that would be logged in a transaction. That's also just like moving between Ethereum and other tokens. That's like we so how many transactions for tax purposes? Everything. Yes. Okay. 365 days in a year, fellas. Yeah. Just give you some inputs to work with. <laughs> Mike's Mike's going to the lab here. Wait, we're asking Andy to guess his own, though? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, you're right. That's not good. Sorry, I was thinking. Could be. 
I'll say here. I'll let's save that question to ask one of you two. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with a better question to ask. How him. many minutes of sports uh, will Jack watch in 2022? Okay. I don't know. It's okay. It's not great. How and many this, individual Mike, pieces of paper are in my office? Just like any kind of paper, like in a binder, <laughs> printer paper, tax forms. Come on, Mike. Let's let's. I paper everywhere. Like you, you cannot that's, imagine. What that's paper honestly is. stop killing trees. That's the come on, thing. Come on, We're in twenty twenty two. Um. All right. You guys don't have printers. Do you not? I actually don't. <laughs> no way. No. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I got a good one for Andy. How many people in the world? Over 70 years old, do you think own an NFT? Okay, that's a good one. Wow. It's a great one. It's a great one. <laughs> and I will count, they didn't, they have to have like their own wallet. If someone like gifted them. I was going to say, does Top Shot count? I don't, I don't mean to discredit Top Shot, but does that? <laughs> Why yes. It? Yes. Because they haven't like set up a MetaMask wallet and shit. Yeah. Okay, like it's okay, a question okay. of like if it's if it's have they set up MetaMask and gone on OpenSea and bought something? It's like a very different experience than making a username and password. Yes. If they own a Ballers, that counts. I don't know. Do you guys ever hedge your bets? <laughs> Hedging is for gardeners, as they say. Okay. What, Jack? You have so much money on this game. You're thinking about hedging this? No, I parlayed all four hockey games, and I'm I'm a live favorite, and I've got like an easy hedge out just to cover my costs. Don't hedge. Yeah, whatever. Parlay. I mean, I'm the head. I mean, of after hearing money. those tendies numbers, you might want to. <laughs> yeah, lock, lock in some cash. <laughs> yeah, you ever thought about like expanding to burgers or something? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. See what Andy thinks. In How many room. people over seventy or over sixty nine point nine nine nine? Seventy and over. Because that's a bit like you get your grandfather. Is it like a seventieth birthday question? Like, how yeah. If if you receive the NFT as your seventieth birthday present, that counts towards this number. Okay. <laughs> what if you receive the birthday present before your actual birthday? Th then no, because you weren't 70 yet. Right. Okay. All right. Thank but you now you're over 70 and you have an NFT. Do you have to acquire it? No, you're right. No. You're right. Sorry. Right, right, right. Yes. How many 70 year olds have I mean, NFTs? Agnostic of when they acquire yeah. it. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. David's parents both won a moonbird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of grandmas lined up for that two and a half ETH uh, Moonbird raffle. All right, Andy, do you have your answer? I don't, but uh, I can get there. Hold on. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. All right. Jack and Mike, do you guys have yours? Yes. Hold on. I keep changing my Jack's right. edging right now. <laughs> All, All right. right. What did you say, Jack? I said fifty-six thousand. <laughs> I started at two point two million and I if, made my I made my it, way down. If that is true, we are so not early. 
I'm, I'm like materially lower, way lower. I'm much lower. I said 600 and what did I say? 73? What? We can get no my camera to way. Work. I'm lower yeah. than that. I'm lower than that. <laughs> so mine was a bit of a journey. Uh, it's going to go to Pete. Was a th- I have a thousand. Okay. Um, I originally, yeah. I originally had fifty, and then I remembered that Axie Infinity exists, and I think that there is a non-trivial amount of people who like in the Philippines and stuff that is like literally their day job, and so I think there probably is just some amount of older people and families who like were making their own like money playing Axie Infinity, uh, and so I said a thousand. And the reason why, otherwise, it would have been way lower. I was definitely baking in, you know, Filipino click farms into my, <laughs> my <guess. laughs> um, all right, I'm on the board. How here. many, how many 70 year olds are there in the world? Jack, like a million people. 70 or older. <laughs> a million people own NFTs. That's false. Uh, a million people own Top Shot moments. I mean, that's false. <laughs> I, want, I want to see Jack go on a tour across the United States going to retirement homes just trying to find a single 70-year-old who owns an NFT. Jack, at 2.2 2. 2 million, it's, that's a crazy... How many 70-year-olds are there in the world? Seventy. What, what percentage of people do you think are over 70 and then multiply I, that by 7 billion? Uh, what percent? Probably, I don't know, 14, 15%? Is that fair? It's fine. So a billion. A billion people. It's a lot of fucking people. I don't think that's the relevant <laughs> number. I think the relevant number is like how many people in total have NFTs. Okay, sure. That's, how that's, many, that's a nice how many people number, do you think like, have NFTs? None of them are over 70. How many people do you think it's have It's definitely NFTs? under 2 million. No way. No way. I think it's it, way lower it is, than yeah. you think, yeah. No, 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 no. No, it's got to be higher. There might be more than 2 million wallets, but there aren't more than 2 million people. Really? There's only 2 million I'm pre- Yeah, I'm pretty sure OpenSea like, just barely crossed a million unique wallets. And yeah, but unique wallets is like a weird metric because... You know. Yeah, it's not even like a valid metric. Jack, we're still so... I, it, it is convincing me how early we are. <laughs> 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 so I'm glad I saved myself from the 2.2 million guys. How all right. Jack, if that you, was true, Knights of DJ would have a 30 ETH floor. <laughs> do you do you think more 70 year olds have NFTs or have had Snapback Kitchen? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Uh, how many times does your grandma does your grandma ordering to support you? <laughs> like, like times. Times. I don't even think we're live in Maryland. No, maybe. <laughs> you, you don't even know what states you're in. We got too many locations, oh. people. Thirty-seven right. locations. It sounds like you guys are scaling in the wrong ways, Jack. No, maybe no, no, have like two no, no, no. Where it's order a lot. What I've learned in my life, Andy, is that it's about. Um, you dilute, you dilute, you dilute. You just go quantity over quality. You just get as many tenders out there as possible. And then you <laughs> trade them in for chicken sandwiches. Uh, 
Andy, you just got me. I was about to pull up and I was like, did Duke Quan seriously just do and I think you should leave me? And then I saw it was fucking you. <laughs> and I had just yeah. followed Duke Quan earlier. So I was like, holy shit, this guy has a real sense of humor. And then, of course, it's fucking Andy. Uh, so good. Um, all right. Should we should we close on the uh, the Andy transaction one? Yes. Yeah, sure. All right. I think that's a good one. And for what it's worth, I have no idea how many pages of transactions I have. I have, I have no clue. I just gave Valley my addresses and said, good luck. I don't know. <laughs> please, please let me not go to prison. I don't know. Um, okay. Who has every, I think all of us have answered one, right? Can I ask a question? Are there, were there, did um, Allie have to like look into whether or not it's like okay for someone who's like in the same household to do your taxes or like that's just fine? Like, does it have to be an independent party? Uh, Apparently not. But like, did you guys have to like look into that? I have no idea, but she's also not signing my tax return. She's just reconciling. Oh, okay. Okay. She does do and sign full tax returns for people as well, but. I'm just, I'm just wondering if there's rules against that. I don't think there is. We're also not married, so I don't know if that, I think that probably would matter as well. There might yeah. need to be like some disclosure, but then at that point, it's like if we're filing joint, like fi like married filing joint is a normal thing. And so, like, yeah, people in the chat saying, "Can't you do your own taxes?" I mean, yeah, yeah, no, but it's different to be like, I guess, I, I don't know if it's different. I guess that's the question to be like signed off from like a, an independent professional. Mark, unless he's rugging us, says you don't have to. Okay. Um, okay. Feels like a rug. I feel like we have to ask Jack because Jack yields the funnest answers. How many crypto transactions did Andy have last year? Yes. Like basically the way I'm thinking about it is if Ali printed off the Excel, QuickBooks, whatever how many rows of transactions would there have been? How many rows or how many pages? I was thinking rows because I want to know yeah. individual transactions. Okay, so individual transactions. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait for Jack's answer. <laughs> <laughs> how many I can give you guys a rough DeFi estimate. farming? No, 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 no rough <laughs> estimate. Uh, no, no, once, once we're done, I'll, I'll give my rough estimate. Oh, okay. okay. I just uh, wrote down a number and scratched it out. I regretted it immediately. God. Is it more or less than the amount of swings that Peter Jennings <laughs> takes? <in a> year? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Jack's going to be low. I agree with Chicago Spartan. Hey, hey, here. no leading the witness. <laughs> he can see that. Yeah, too. That's, that's hearsay. I don't know what that is. I've been on TikTok, though. Man. Was last year a leap year or no? <laughs> you never know with Jack because his answer could be like 46 or like 23 billion. And it just, <laughs> you never know which way he's going to go. Mike always knows though. He's <laughs> always on my. God, I keep wanting to write down like my guess, like a, a rational <laughs> guess. I'm like, no, it's Jack. Wait, can we hear more about the the injury while we're thinking here? Yeah, I was lifting a weight and my wrist tweaked, and uh, it's a TFCC. It's the meniscus of the wrist. So three weeks in the cast, 
if it feels better, I, I'll be fine. If not, steroids, your boy will be fucking roided up in the wrist. And then if not, surgery. So hoping oh, for... Jack actually sent me over before the show. He wanted me to show everyone the dumbbell that he actually hurt his hand on. And um, <laughs> it was... The... <laughs> no, it was... Uh... You know those shake weights, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. South Park episode. Yeah. All right. How many crypto transactions right. did Andy make this year? That he's reporting? Or this is 2021. I'm, I'm assuming Andy's pretty above board here, uh, Jack. I will report every transaction. <laughs> Including uh, the purchase of that pudgy penguin shirt. <laughs> All right. I'll happily Uh, report that loss. All right. Do you got Andy? Do you have your guess for Jack? I do. Yes. Okay. Mike, do you? Yes. All right. I'll start us off. I said Jack said Andy had 23,942 transactions. Okay. Right, I don't know. So my, my initial guess was like, not quite that high, but higher. But I came down very hard from that to two thousand four hundred ninety nine. Okay. I went with twenty thousand. Pete and I are on the same wavelength tonight. Yeah. So that's. I mean, all right, fine. Let's do it, Jack. Jack, thirty six thousand. I said a hundred a day. Hundred. I had no clue. I don't know what Andy does. He's drafting <laughs> an underdog. He's building a company. He's ship posting. So I counted yeah. that's like half. Ship posting is like, on. I should probably be on ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> but I have like, I. I mean, how many have I done? Like, a hundred fifty. I don't you, know. You but you had to have done at least 150 on Top Shot alone last year. Yeah, okay, on Top Shot probably. But okay, so Andy, what do uh what I do you think, think realistically just pure transactions that happened which are as opposed like ignoring things that kind of just in the weeds get multiple like you know separated out into multiple transactions or anything probably in the 5000 range. My real guess was going to be seven thousand, and then yeah. I bumped. It I up think seven thousand is still high. Five thousand is probably the upper end, because um, a lot of my top shot stuff happened prior to this that past calendar year. Um, True. Yeah, you guys freaked me out by saying I was going to be super low, but I also wasn't <laughs> positive if like Andy does like he just like yields all his farms in the morning and like does 25 clicks, you know, right off the bat every day. Um, so I had no, I know he didn't like trade NFTs 36,000 times. And I also thought like to sign into a Slack, maybe he's transacting and pays like a, you know, 0.01 ETH just to like be encrypted. Cause he's smart. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Right. That'd be smart. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. Right. Lou says he was at 7,000. There you go. Yeah. Well, I Lou, think Lou's the also big thing is the last, like most of the second half of the year, I was just way busier with work. Like the, my largest transaction throughput was 
definitely like September, October of 2020 during like DeFi summer and like peak me and Mike just degenerately buying into NBA Top Shot. <laughs> where like those, there were days like back then, like the way that I ended up having 150 Jaron Jackson Jr. moments is I would open up every single $1 Jaron Jackson Jr. moment at one time and buy them all immediately like in a row so no one could front run me until I would like crash Top Shot site because I was sending so many API requests and they couldn't actually handle it. And so like my site would locally crash and I would have to like restart my computer sometimes. Um, <laughs> wow. The true good old days. of <laughs> Yeah, it was a different time. But so like those added up real quick. It's individually buying all of those moments. Incredible. Um, appreciate everyone hanging out tonight. Fun show. Uh, little uh, update. Uh, I know I've been mentioning our show that we're going to do live in brooklyn during nft nyc talked with underdog today we're, we're full steam ahead of that we're going to be able to have um a handful of people a couple handfuls of people so i'll circulate a form in uh for the club vips in the discord if you guys are going to be around in new york we'd love to have you join us at the underdog offices for that show and then we'll also do um hopefully like a meetup or something uh after and i'll be sure to uh to get more details on that are you three are you guys confirmed it's tuesday night right june 21st the 21st and i think the we'll have the office um around 6 30 6 45 to do a show there i'm uh, confirmed uh i know andy will be uh he'll be tbd but it's in brooklyn right yeah underdog offices all right if we need food for the event <laughs> I mean, we will be live by then. And if we could double our total sales to date by catering for like 12 people, that would be pretty big. Um, yeah, I'll be there. That's Tuesday night. Monday, I think Knights is doing an event. I'm not positive, but I think I think we announced that. And did you see our big trade today? Yes, you guys got T.O. We got Terrell Owens on the what? fucking squad. Yeah, we traded for T.O. <laughs> Uh, three-way three deal i saw yeah so johnny manzel awesome. and tio were teammates there they were own five we're four and one we're playing board apes who's undefeated this week uh we lost them on like the last possession in week one and now we just added terrell owens and hollywood player named hollywood so i gotta have one hollywood in my life at all times um so we're very excited about that. We're gonna win the league. I'm gonna go back to back. Let's get let's get To on Club Top Shot. Chop it up. That with would T. be o. fun. Does he have? I guess we got to get him an NFT now. It's true. It's true. What I I, I just went to his uh, Twitter page though. He has he has not tweeted about joining the Knights of Dgen. You gotta you gotta reach out to him. Get that tweet out there. Yeah, that's actually. Maybe we'll just bench him, or because the fans call plays, we just won't throw in his direction. Until See, that's yeah, yeah that's yeah. where we're playing chess over here. No, he's just he's doing a slow rollout like settlement with the Knights of DGen PFP. You just gotta you know work up slow, to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, Andy, you said you're questionable for uh. Yeah, I need to see. We have like a pretty busy week for uh, NFT NYC. Now it's adding up to be so. Yeah. Wow. Someone just sure. swept the floor on my announcement and discussion of Terrell Owens. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Now, please, everyone, go to snapbackkitchen.com and sweep the hell out of those chicken tendies. The floor on them, it's low, but it will be hot. There you go. Um, Mike, anything else going on with you? 
no, I don't think anything else. I have, I have a, a Levitan update. I have a ball machine, tennis ball machine that's getting delivered tomorrow to, to train. So have you been tracking Levitan recently? Like saying you have a Levitan update and balls is a very choice words. I've not been tracking Levitan. Uh, I'm sure he's fine at the exact same. <laughs> no, he just cut it. He just literally snipped. Oh, oh, did he? Actually, I saw some commentary around that a few months back. Some commentary. <laughs> he, he has snipped. He, I, right? That's very public news, right? He. Oh, I, I, I think he was pretty open about it. I just didn't know it. Had yeah. Happened. Okay, oh, I so thought, I thought it had happened. All right. So phrasing, phrasing. Um, <laughs> But with regard to June 21st at Underdog Offices, um, I am in with the following potential issue. It's my sister-in-law's wedding that weekend. And if COVID's kicking around, I'll probably have to be a little bit more careful. So I don't know if this would qualify or not. So that is an out that I may need. Um, but otherwise, I'll be there. Just mask up. We'll make and, sure we're, uh, we're all I don't make this call. There's a, there are a lot of people who I need to answer to who make the call in that situation. COVID, I have a mother-in-law. I have a wife. Summer, I have Mike, a sister-in-law. COVID, sister-in-law, by the way, cool whip sister-in-law. That one is getting married. That was yeah. That was a good call, Mike. Uh, this summer is for NFTs for best ball. It's not for COVID. There's no COVID allowed. This summer. this is the summer where we onboard fifty six thousand senior citizens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jack's just going senior home to senior home, selling them tendies and NFTs. <laughs> Foolproof oh plan. Um, all right, guys, we appreciate you. Uh, we uh, the audio will be up as usual. If you guys prefer to listen to this in podcast form, don't be like NBL. Make sure you are on Underdog Fantasy. Um, and we will see you guys next week uh, for another edition of Club Top Shop. Peace. <laughs>